everyone. Thanks for joining. This is Seeking Sustainability Live. I'm JJ Walsh in Hiroshima, Japan. And today I'm talking with Nick Bradley all the way in the United Kingdom. Thank you so much for joining, Nick. Oh, thanks very much for having me, Joy. It's a pleasure to be here. Hi, thanks for joining today. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to learn more about the work that I do, check out inboundambassador.com. And you can also find me on buymeacoffee.com slash JJ Walsh to get some bonus information and insights from the series. It's so nice to talk to you. I'm really enjoying your book. I'm not finished with it yet. I'm taking my time. I'm loving all the various stories. And because you're talking about so many different subcultures and diverse groups in Japan, I think this fits perfectly with what I'm trying to do with this series because sustainability is all about diversity and different subcultures and, you know, lots of stories of culture and history from Japan. So I think it's a perfect theme to talk about today. Thank you so much. No, thanks for having me. You have a really interesting、uh, way that you created. The book, it was like you were doing your PhD thesis at the same time as, as doing this novel. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That's so interesting. Yeah, so it's,、um, it's actually a creative and critical writing PhD. So the PhD is,、uh, is divided.、Um, so part of it is, is actually The Cat in the City, the novel. And the other part was、um, more kind of like a literary study.、Um, so I was looking at、um, the figure of the cat in Japanese literature.、Um, yeah, so I, for the critical section, I, I mean, I won't go on about this too much because it's a little bit,、um, a bit, a bit, I suppose it's a bit in depth, but、um, I was looking at the cat and how it had been represented in, in art and literature over, over time in Japan. And I also then I looked at, in particular, I looked at three Japanese male authors who wrote cat books or, or really popularized cats in, in Japanese literature. Yeah. Yeah, that was really interesting. I'm showing on screen now、um, from a talk that you did with SOAS, is it? And,、mm, and you、yes. were showing some of your PowerPoints, and you talked about the three different authors are Natsumi,、mm. Natsume Soseki,、uh, Tanizaki Junichiro, and Murakami yes. Haruki.、Um, yes. Can you tell us just a little bit about those authors? Because I, I think our audience would love to hear about that a little bit. Yeah. So,、um, so I started out with Soseki. So、um, he, he's an interesting character. He,、um, he was. Oh, where to begin with him?、Um, he, he was a very intelligent, brilliant scholar who started out actually being quite gifted at writing kanshi, kanbun,、um, so、uh, chi- Chinese literature, but you know,、um, it was studied、um, a lot in, J- in, Jap- in Japan.、Um, so he was really gifted at that, but、uh, he switched to become a, an English literature student. and... Uh, so he went to Tokyo University and he studied English literature. And then he was sent by the government、um, during the Meiji Restoration. Well, no, I suppose like after the Meiji Restoration, he was sent、um, to study British literature in London for a couple of years. And、um, he, he absolutely hated it. He hated London and he went a bit crazy.、Um, but when he came back to Japan, he wrote、um, 
a short story uh, which uh, was Wagahai wa Neko Dearu, which is the first chapter of I Am a Cat. And it was so popular in this literary journal that he was encouraged to then keep writing it. So he, he wrote this thing in serialization, which became the novel I Am a Cat. Um, but the 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 way he used the cat was interesting because his cat was the narrator and the cat was was a sort of pompous um i don't know it was the the, the the cat was was the lived in the house with a with a teacher and took on a kind of like scholarly air but also was very critical of 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 all the people who surrounded him um and so that kind of the use of the cat to sort of criticize society was was i was basically what i think Sorsiki was doing there he was using the cat as a kind of mirror to um to criticize and, and uh represent society um and then tanizaki a little bit different but well, I'll, so I'll, I'll be quick with this but yeah his his book um a cat a man and two women um is a bit different because his cat doesn't speak but instead his cat tends to be present with characters who project their own emotions onto the cat. Um, so the cat is similar in that it, it shows, it, it is a mirror that represents the humans, but it represents their interiority rather than the, the kind of superficial side that, that Soseki's cat uh, narrator was criticizing. Yeah. And then I think Murakami is probably not worth talking about too much because everyone is, is really familiar with Murakami. Um, but um, one of the things that I, I kind of, that was difficult with Murakami is because he, he uses cats in everything. He uses them, you know, as similes, as metaphors, that there are characters uh, who speak with cats. So he uses them in such a, a, a different, like in, in such a variety of ways that it, it became difficult to pin down Murakami as saying specifically, um, th this is what his cat represents. It became more like, you know, he always has cats. That's, <laughs> yeah. But you, you found a great picture of Murakami uh, with a cat that you have, yes. right? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. in I should point out, uh, thank you, Miranda Joy has joined from Queensland, Australia on Facebook. Thanks so much for joining. Um, uh, I also should mention in the series, we've actually had three talks last autumn, which were kind of focused on cat themes just by chance. So I want to give a quick <laughs> shout out to Derek Westman. Now, Derek was is a translator, and I know you were a translator in Japan as well. And he was talking about really interesting story about how a lot of religious signs have been changed to make the neko kanji instead of the god kanji. Mm, so, yeah. So yeah. He, he talked about how this phenomenon of it's almost like a cat god in in all of these signs. So you might see things typical of um, things like you should obey your god, but it's like you mm -hmm. should obey your cat, which mm -hmm. he, he was showing us. And that was really interesting. And you actually, in your book, you talk uh, a few times in different tales about uh, preachers and kind of a, a revulsion against bad things that preachers have said. So I thought that was an interesting tie. Also, that he's a translator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw, uh, I think I saw on Twitter a while ago, the, the photos that were going around the Japanese internet where, yeah, people had changed the kanji for God into cat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really um, it's interesting because um, one of the reasons I think that cats are so exalted in, in Japanese society is because they, they weren't indigenous to to the island. They were brought across uh, on boats and, and they were brought across because um, they were bringing the Buddhist scriptures across and they had to put cats on the boats with the scriptures to stop the rats and mice from eating the scriptures. And then when the when the cats and scriptures arrived in Japan, they were taken to the temples throughout Japan. So you, in Japanese folk tales, you do get stories that center around a, a priest and a cat who have some kind of strange friendship or connection. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. I saw that in one of your interviews, you're talking about um, how the cats were brought over on the ships to protect mm. the Buddhist texts from the rats on the ship, right? And then they became part of high society in the samurai mm. houses, and they were in tale of Genji as mm -hmm. well. Really interesting. So the, the reverence uh, and the fondness of cats it has a very long history in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, Matt and Hiroko were talking about their yokai attack series, and they were talking about the yokai of the cat image that's actually a shapeshifter. And this is something mm. that you also mentioned in your book, right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I, 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 won't, uh, I won't go too much into detail with that because I don't want to spoil the, the plot point. But, um, but yeah, I, I, the, in particular, the Bake Neko, the, the cat that switches between um, human and, and cat, yeah. Yeah, that was really yeah, interesting. Uh, there was a great book that, um, I wonder if I can find it quickly, but maybe not. Um, it's, it's where is it? No, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to find it quick, quickly. Um, but I, I should I should send it to you, send you the link later. But it's a, an amazing book about um, about cats and, and yokai. Um, yeah, I've forgotten the title. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, I think no. it's called Kaibyo, Kaibyo uh -huh. um, and it's about you know the the kind of um, the yokai cats of Japan. But it was a great book by an American uh, translator and academic. Also forgotten his name. I'm really bad. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Uh, this this talk was with Matt Alt and Hiroko mm. Yoda, and Matt Alt. Um, they both do translations for the video game industry. Now, video games is also a theme in your book, and I think you were doing video game translation as well in Japan, right? Uh, yes. Well, actually, I I was doing it in Germany. Um, yeah, I didn't do it for very long, but I uh, yeah I I worked for a certain a certain Japanese video game company and uh, tr translating Japanese to English yeah yeah I, I think I Matt alt is that is that right mm -hmm. yeah I've come across his, his him a lot yeah he's he's he writes a lot on pop culture doesn't he yeah he did a yeah, great yeah. book which we also talked about in the series about how Japanese pop culture has kind of changed other cultures around the world as well and that was really interesting. Uh, also, oh, quick shout out to Paprika Girl as well, who was talking about Cat uh, Kotatsu, and she's a, a lover of cats who works in the film industry. So we, we talked about cats with that. But this is our fourth 
talk with connected to cats. Now, I I think the reason to have the cat in the book, the cat is not the main character of all the stories, but the cat seems to tie everybody together somehow. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the you know, in some stories, the cat will, will feature more than others, and you know, in some stories, uh, you can only hear the sound of the cat. Um, or, and also the cat will change form in, in some respects. So, um, yeah, the, so I think, um, you know, at one point it breaks into manga. So then the cat becomes like one of the characters in the manga. Yeah, um, you have your own beautiful cat, Pansy, yes. right? Yeah. And Pansy, yeah. Pansy was a rescue cat. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, um, yeah, quite sad, but she was abandoned in in uh, a, a town called Great Yarmouth, which is on the coast, um, not too far from Norwich. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. But now she she's she's got a good home. She she leads a life of Larry. So <laughs> yeah, she she looks very happy. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think she's outside sunbathing right now. And she yeah. often features on your Instagram feed. If anybody watches your Instagram, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Louise says hello to you both. Louise is in New Zealand. Thanks for joining, Louise. She says, "What age group is this story for?" That's a good question. Ooh, it's adults, uh, yeah. isn't it? Because it's, it's adults. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's definitely adults should read it before giving it to, and and I I would say, I mean I don't know. It depends on on the parent, but I I would say eighteen plus is my there's, my. Uh, there's a few like sexual themes and yeah. adult topics and stuff. Um, one thing that I, I found really interesting um, in the book, because you're writing about Japanese characters, uh, most of the characters in the book are Japanese, but you you have a very interesting perspective. And I, I find this a lot with international residents who become tour guides, for example, or who are doing content and trying to explain Japanese culture or history or habits to an international audience. And so I think in some ways, some people might think it's strange that you're not Japanese, but all your characters are Japanese. But I think because of your experience, because of your study, because of your love of Japanese literature, you've done it in a really beautiful and kind way, but also you're critical, but you're not too harsh. Have you? Well, thanks. It's, yeah. Yeah, I, it, it, it's a worry, really, isn't it? Um, I, I didn't think about it when I was writing it, but um, I, I sort of became conscious of it when when it went out into the world. Um, but I think I didn't think about it because I think there was there was a lot of love. Um, I, I know I know that there's there's some there's some dark elements to, to the to the book and, and there's some seedy characters and but um, but th I think that's more to make fiction that's more to make a, an exciting you know you, you can't have you can't have a good story without good and evil um, and yeah so but I think in terms of Japan and, and and the culture and the language and 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 the people and the food and everything there was nothing but love. Um, on my part there so yeah I, I never wrote the book intending to sort of offend anyone or, or you know uh, it was really just it was a book it was a book about uh, a country and a culture that I'm very passionate about so 
yeah i, I mean i i i hope i hope it it, it, it did come across all right no yeah. it does it does <laughs> and and i think a lot of the issues that you're talking about are hard um for japanese people as well and and hard for people who are local to see a japanese person who've lived abroad and comes back might have an easier time seeing that um some of the issues you talk about like homelessness um, mm, mm. the underlying theme of the upcoming Olympics and the pressure that puts on certain characters. Um, some people might think of that as critical, but these are discussions that need to be had. Very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think um, one of the things I do love about Japan is, 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 the, is the idea of harmony you know, um, and how everyone likes a, a good kind of atmosphere and everything. But I suppose the one danger of it is that you get to a, a stage where it's sort of everyone accepts that this is this is the way that things are, and then that means that if you don't conform to that, then you're then you're pushed aside. And and that particularly, you know, with the homeless, um, I think the first night that I because like you know I did the jet program, so before I flew down to Hiroshima, the first night I stayed in Tokyo in Shinjuku um I couldn't believe all of the homeless people who I was seeing you know and they weren't just homeless people they were also um you know office workers who who were maybe who didn't have anywhere to live and so they they had their suits and their shoes um but then they were sleeping in, in cardboard boxes and things and I felt like I felt a very um I mean it's no different in Britain but this thing where people kind of ignore it, you know, um, and uh, and I found the same thing with any kind of dissent towards the Olympic Games or people protesting um, uh, after the Fukushima meltdown, you know, protesting the, the um, uh, uh, nu nuclear energy. Um, it always seems like there was a mass of people who accepted this is this is the case, and then there was a small minority who who weren't happy but they were very marginalized and and so i think yeah i think i wanted to try and write from that perspective and and try and give give more balance uh, to, to to the uh, to the argument maybe yeah definitely and i think you you've done that really well uh in one of your interviews you were talking about um the challenge of people maintaining connections as one of the underlining themes of the book. Um, and of course, especially during coronavirus, we're all feeling that, that, mm. that maintaining connections to family and friends is really hard right now. And you often refer back to this theme and feeling really empathetic for the characters who are feeling so disconnected and looking for connection, right? Mm, yeah. Um, I think one of the toughest things, because you, you know, you know, I, I, I lived in Hiroshima Prefecture, um, and I, I people always ask me about this because um, I, I, when I when I lived in Hiroshima, I still wanted to be a writer, and I was still writing, um, but I think I was really happy when I lived in Hiroshima. Um, I think that the rural communities in Japan, or, or not rural, but you know, the kind of provincial life is really comfortable and people are really friendly and I definitely felt part of a community when I lived when I lived there um but there was a part of me that always wanted to move to Tokyo and you know wanted to experience the big city 
Um, and that was kind of like a dream of mine. But when I got there, it was it was the reality was really harsh. And and I, I kind of missed Hiroshima. I thought, you know, this is maybe not where I want to be. And I, I, and I think but I think that that was the kernel from which the, the book was born, this the, the loneliness, the isolation, um, the coldness of, of big city life was actually in a funny way was a bit more in, inspiring when it came to writing fiction. Um, so yeah, I was really happy in Hiroshima, but, um, but maybe, maybe that I needed a bit of unhappiness, a bit of pain. <laughs> yeah. Well, being in the big city, it's, you know, like when I was a jet too many years ago, and that's so interesting. We never met each other when you were in Hiroshima, mm. I don't think. Um, no. but we were both jets way long mm. ago. And, uh, it was really interesting when I applied for the JET program. I said, I'd like to go to Oita in Kyushu. And they're like, okay, mm. yeah, let's send her there, you know, because nobody is requesting anything outside of Tokyo or Osaka, right? Mm. So it was really interesting for them. Is, like, is that where... Is that where you were based? That, so that's uh, where my family was. My dad had had moved there years ago, and I really wanted to go there. And it was a great place to learn Japanese. I knew mm. uh, you were really passionate about learning kanji. You loved mm, mm. learning all the kanji. And, and so your teaching career developed into a translation career. It was really interesting. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, part, part of the, the, I don't know if you've gotten to it yet, but like um, there, there is a, a, a little section set in Yufuin like just a tiny, tiny bit. Um, so that's a, yeah, an Oita, Oita yeah. reference. I, I love all the references to Hiroshima so far, um, except for when you say, of course, Osaka Okonomiyaki is best. I would have to say no, of course not. No, no. <laughs> no of course not. No, I'm, I'm, I'm Hiroshima. Yeah. I definitely Hiroshima Okonomiyaki, yeah. yeah. But I saw Osaka that on is... Instagram, you did make Okonomiyaki and it was the wrong style. It was Osaka It was style. the wrong style, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't get I'll the good noodles you. here. I'll it. forgive you. It's harder to make. <laughs> it's harder to make. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the cat is a is a common theme all of binding everyone together, um, putting strings, you know, to everyone's connection. Um, the Olympics is also a theme. Now, I heard in one of your your interviews uh, end of last year, someone is saying, are you really disappointed the Olympics didn't happen because your book was supposed to come out? during the Olympics, but something that you said is, but the Olympics is all about transition and how the city is changing. And so that mm. that's happening whether the Olympics happens or not. Mm. Do you still feel like that? Yeah, um, it, it's strange. I, I, I did a, another interview just a uh, day before yesterday and I, I got asked a similar question, but it was more kind of like, do you, do you regret writing? about the olympics you know are you going to change it or um and i, I think it, i was it, it's basically i think because most of the book is about the lead up to the olympics i think that that still is fine it's just the final chapter called opening ceremony which is a bit incongruous to reality but i think i don't know my so the, the paperback is coming out in the UK. So the hardback came out last year and the paperback's coming out. And my editor asked me if I wanted to put an afterward in the paperback about my feelings about, you know, and, and, I, and I thought about that, but I actually, I actually think that people are probably fine with how it is because it just shows a, an alternate reality, you know, where, where COVID didn't happen. And, um, 
And I think what, one of the things that you said earlier, which I, I thought was was really astute, was um, was that in a book about connections, I think it, it in some ways it actually makes it makes it a tiny bit more poignant the fact that that you know I was writing this book about how important it was to have connections, but then essentially because of COVID, all of our connections became disrupted. You know whether we were having good relationships with people or not. Um, and I think that kind of reinforces the ending in a way. Um, you know, the struggle to, to 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 put the 2021 version of the 2020 Olympics on and things like that. Um, so yeah, I I don't know if I'll take a chance and, and write about something in the future like that again, <laughs> because it was quite stressful. Um, in the yeah, I mean, but I, 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 there was a point last year when I wasn't sure that the book would even be coming out. You know, I, I thought it would be delayed a year or it was pushed back a month. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it did come out. And yeah, it's been a very weird year. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think whether the Olympics happens or not, all of the content of getting ready and transitioning yeah. to the Olympics is still true and has mm. happened and been happening for the last 10 years. Um, yeah, it's definitely very relevant. Um, another interesting thing you said is the reason to choose the cat as the tie was you started noticing a trend in the UK. There was a popularity of cat books coming mm. from japan can you talk about that yeah um i think it was uh sort of back in about 2015 when i started writing the book um yeah i obviously i started to look around in the bookshops and i, and I started to see that the that the really there was this whole genre of of books that were being published um the guest cat was was i think one of the, the you know the beginnings of, of this new wave of, of cat books um but yeah then but then there were interesting books too that like for example there's one called before the coffee gets cold um which has a cat on the cover but i, I read the book dutifully but the, there was no cat in in the book um <laughs> which which is a bit of a shame but um but yeah I, there, there were there was a spate of them there was the traveling cat chronicles um Oh, funnily enough, actually, that the the lady who wrote the Traveling Cat Chronicles, I didn't make this connection until later, but I read a book by her in Japanese, which was called Hankyu Densha, which was set on the Hankyu line in 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 Kansai, and um, and in that I I, I seem to remember it was many years ago that I read it, but each story was um, a character would get on the train, and you would you would have like a, a story about them. And I read that book and it, it, I thought it was a really cool concept and, and I wanted to do something similar in Tokyo. And originally I was going to write um, a similar kind of thing, but on the Chuo line in Tokyo. And But my my train kind of morphed into a cat and, and it became the cat in the city. But So it's funny though, because her book about the train line was really inspirational in terms of a book about, you know, link, link collection story. Um, but then it turned out that she also wrote a cat book, um, which which I, I didn't figure out until later. But yeah, wow. um, yeah, that's so, interesting. But, and you you also mentioned another book that came out about Ueno Station, written by yes. another author, also focused on the Olympics, which you didn't yeah. read until yours came out. Is that right? 
That's right. Yeah. 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 I, um, I was scared to read it. Um, cause I heard about it after I'd, after, after the book had, had been sold and was going to be published. Um, but yeah, I read hers afterwards and I actually felt really, it felt, I felt really pleased because I thought, well, we've both picked up on something here and she's a Zainichi, uh, Kankoku Jin. Uh, so she, she's a, a naturalized Korean living in, in Japan. Um, and I, I found it interesting that we're both outsiders and we both kind of picked up on, on that issue. So I, I, I was pleased, but, and also her book is very, very different. So it, 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 I mean, obviously it's about the homeless and it's about, it's about the Olympics. Um, but yeah, I, I was a bit, it was, it's always a bit of a scare when, when you find out that someone else has written a book that's, that's very similar or, yeah. Isn't that yeah. interesting though? I mean, of course, because the Olympics is coming up, it's, it's timely. Uh, last month I had two interviews, uh, both female authors had written kind of similar themes. They both had recipes inside Winifred Bird and Hannah Kirshner. Um, they're both about natural food and farming and forest harvesting. And it was it was really interesting. It came out in the same month, but mm. they've been working on it for very different lengths of time over many different mm. years in different parts of the world. You know, unbelievable. Just happens like yeah. that sometimes. Yeah. I, I think when, when I was... When I was still working on the book, I went to an academic conference and a, a professor from Tokyo came and he was giving a kind of a guest seminar and he put some photos up on, and uh, the, the seminar was about something completely different, but he put some photos up on, on PowerPoint and one of them was in a park and it was um, a homeless guy's shelter built out of the blue tarpaulin. And he was talking about, he was saying, oh, you know, I used to walk through this park every day and, and this guy was living in this shelter. And then recently they've, they've, they've pushed him out and they've, they've moved him away. And I'd already written uh, the Fallen Words story, which is about the homeless guy. And I thought, wow, that's really strange because I came up with that idea two years ago. And now I'm seeing the reality that, that, and and when I wrote about that, the, the clearing the, the streets before the Olympics, it wasn't based on any kind of Japan-specific idea. That was more to do with things that I'd read about the Olympics in all cities. Um, so in all Olympic cities, they, they always do that. They always clear out the homeless people. And they also round up the stray dogs and cats and, and they euthanize them um, before the event. So And there was actually in, in, in the Cat in the City um, but we, it got edited, but there was a part that dealt with, with the cats that were being rounded up and, and euthanized, um, that that got cut from the book eventually. But it was something that when I was reading about it, 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 it kind of, it re really made me think about the, the dark side of the Olympics, the things that, that we don't really, we don't really hear about and we don't see, but are happening. Yeah. Definitely. Um, it's a really important issue that a lot of people don't know about as well. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of working homeless people that are, mm. are doing day jobs and they don't have anywhere to go. So, you know, it's a very different kind of homeless. And the mm. issue of rounding up dogs and cats and euthanizing them. Uh, we have certain groups that are trying to save the lives of these animals. I'm talking mm. with Susan Mercer next week, and she runs a rescue center in Shikoku, I believe. So it'll be really mm. interesting to hear 
from the inside. She's been doing it for years. Yeah. Um, uh, really interesting, you know, important themes that keep coming up in your book. So I really enjoyed it. And uh, it, it brought up a lot of issues that need to be talked about. So I was really happy mm. to do that. Uh, Marianne says, you are ruining my resolution to not buy any new books till I have made some headway on my overpacked bookshelves. Yeah, sorry, Marion. This one's worth getting. <laughs> you just have to pack your bookshelves a little bit more. Um, now, one of the things that you've you've talked about is how writing a book and being a writer is very collaborative. And you talk about uh, working with your editor and your publisher and your illustrator. Um, I was really impressed with your publisher or your editor. I don't know who did it. But the marketing campaign around sending the book with a box set of sweets. Tell me about that. That's a great idea. Yeah. So I think that's Sophie, um, who, who's, who's in marketing at, at, at Atlantic. Um, so she did that for the, that was for the, just for the paperback release that's happening now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, obviously I don't have anything to do with that, but, um, but yeah, she got she got together some like Japanese sweets and 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 put them in in, in a box with with the paperback and and sent it out to to readers. Yeah, that's really it was really lovely. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that idea. I teach marketing at university as well, so I'm always on the lookout for good ideas. And that was to the UK market, wasn't it? sending yes, the Japanese right. sweets and you yes. saw some people on their social media uh, doing short stories and opening the box and talking about it. So great, great job with the social media. Um, you were yeah. also doing cat kanji postcards, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So because because I can't because we can't get to bookshops to do sort of in-person signing so much. Um, yeah, I did. I, I, I got, you get sent uh, a stack of book plates and so i was signing those but my signature is so terrible it just looks awful um that yeah i i, I decided that i would make it a little bit nicer and i put uh, i was writing the kanji of, of for, for neko in using a fude pen that i've got um but yeah so then i think those will be uh, put in 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 the paperbacks uh in the independent stores in in britain uh, because my, my publisher is an independent publisher and uh, I think works closely with, with independent bookshops. Um, nice. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Marion says, will the paperback be available in Japan? It looks like Amazon offers only the Kindle and hardcover. I noticed that too. Yes. Okay. This is, I'm, not, I'm no expert on these things and I get, I get kind of confused. But basically because it, I think the, so the UK paperback comes out May 6th here. But the U.S. paperback, um, th it's the same thing, but it won't be released in the U.S. until, I think, August of this year. And the problem is, is that Japan, uh, Amazon seems to draw its data from from U.S. Amazon. So then the release date will be August in Japan. But it, you might still be able to get it because I know that they'll be sending it, if, if you live in Japan, they're sending it to... Um, you know, uh, bookstores in Japan, like Kinokuniya. Um, so it should be in in bookstores in Japan, uh, but I'm not sure whether you can order it off Amazon. Um, yeah, but I, I'm no expert on these things. I, I get kind of confused with 
Yeah, with, no, with that's all. that's good advice, and we we have some good foreign sections in Kinokuniya and mm. and different bookstores. I think even Loft has might have one of the chains. Um, talk about your illustrations and your illustrators because it's so amazing. And actually, one of your chapters is done manga style. Yeah, so that that was really um, yeah. So I I've got maybe I can hold up. Bit. Yeah, I don't know if people can see that. Yeah, I, um, I've got a screenshot of that I can show. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So it it sort of came about. Um, it came about by accident, which is one of those interesting things with 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 creativity or creating things is that sometimes you, you have an idea and you, you head for it, but then you'll you'll pick up all sorts of other great ideas as you do it. So that particular story I wrote after I had um, a, a kind of a guest lecture from a, a great writer whose name is uh, Rachel Cusk. Um, she's a fantastic writer. And she came and gave, um, when I was doing my master's in creative writing at, at, at the university here, um, she came and gave a, a, a masterclass on dialogue. And I found that her class so inspiring that I was bursting to write a story about two characters and and how they interacted and i wanted to build it mostly on just dialogue so there would all of the narration all of the everything would disappear and you would just only have the dialogue of this character that character this character that character and it would be quite easy to see who was speaking and so i i, I wrote this whole section that was just dialogue but the story itself turned out to be about um about a boy who decides that he wants to become a manga artist so then it was just like the next logical step was, well, wouldn't it be better if this dialogue was actually part of the manga? Um, so, and that was always an idea that I had, but when I met with Atlantic, um, that I, I told them about this and, and I, I always kind of thought that publishers would be, wouldn't be up for that. They would be like, oh, that's too, that's too much effort. That's too fussy. But uh, my editor loved the idea and she actively encouraged me to, to go out and find um, a manga artist um, and yeah and then by just complete luck um, a girl who I went to school with when I was saying that I was looking for a, a, someone who could draw in a manga style um, her friend she put me in touch with her friend Mariko and Mariko is, is half British half Japanese and grew up in Britain um, and I went on Mariko's Instagram or her webpage and I just loved her style so I, I, I thought this is perfect because it 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 wasn't, I wouldn't describe it as being like Japanese style manga. It had a bit of that, it had a bit of kind of like British influence to it as well. It, it looked a bit Western in some respects, but the most important thing was that her style, she could emulate that kind of childish style. And, and I wanted it to look like it had been drawn by a young boy. So it was just perfect. Um, yeah, and, and then Mariko and I, uh, we, we chatted over the phone and it turned out that she had a cat called Neko and they called it the cat Neko um, when she was growing up in England. And um, so, yeah, I, I, we, we worked together and, and like I, so she would draw like the character designs. She, she read the story and then she drew the character designs and then I would give her feedback on them. I'd say like, oh, make, make him a bit skinnier but with more of a pot belly or you know um so then we we designed the characters and then and then she illustrated the the, the dialogue um 
yeah, it was it was really great fun. It was it was a lot of hard work, but it was good. Yeah, yeah. and what an interesting collaboration. So she is Japanese, but she grew up in the UK. Is that right? I I think her her mum is Japanese and her dad is British, uh, but grew up in the UK. Yeah, as far as I'm aware. So yeah, she's 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 half half Japanese, half British. Yeah. And you you happen to meet up in in I want to say Norfolk, but it's not Norfolk. Yeah, Norwich. Yeah, Norwich. yeah, that's right. And, yeah, and did a book signing together, right? Yeah, yeah, that was um, just a, a stroke of luck. She was on holiday in, in Norwich. Um, yeah, and so so I, I said, let's go to the shop and, and sign some books. Nice. But, it, <laughs> but that was that was actually the first time we'd ever met in person as well. That's yeah. great. Yeah, the digital yeah. age. Everybody's zooming everything even books um but this is very typical of your book you wanted to do it in a lot of different genres can you talk about that a little bit yeah um so i'm i'm a bit i'm a bit of a contrary person and i i don't i I, i've never really understood why people would say like oh i like sci-fi but i don't like detective stories and I've always just thought stories are stories and and I, I don't understand why we break them up into different categories um and so I kind of wanted to write a, a book that that incorporated all of those those forms so I, I I have a sci-fi story I have a detective story you know I have a ghost story so I, I just wanted to write a book that contained different elements of storytelling um because then I thought, well, it's going to confuse people as to where it would fit in the bookshop. But the problem is, though, is that it just fits in the literary fiction section, which is, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, but also I, I wanted to play around when I was writing. I wanted to experiment and, and try different ways of, of telling stories. Um, yeah, I mean, the one fun part that I think I've had this, I had this idea ages ago that I wanted the some, the text is split and for there to be two columns and that ended up being the the cat that that splits um and so that the cat is cloned and there's two cats and they're communicating telepathically but yeah so i i really just wanted to have fun and try some different things yeah when i was writing and for the uh copycat chapter you had a different style as well right yes yeah yeah um so that's that story. I, I hope th- these aren't really spoilers, but that story is is translated from Japanese by one of the characters in another story. But that meant that I could have the translator's footnotes at the bottom, um, and that was really cool because I could explain or I could translate some of the things that are in other parts of the book and have a character kind of explaining well you know what genkan is and all this kind of stuff but it also allowed me to give um to tell the story of another character through the footnotes at the same time as as yeah anyway i I won't spoil it too much because yeah um i heard that you identify maybe identify most with the translator character um and but you have your own uh, personal insights and stories and things that people said to you and things that you've seen personally is kind of here and there throughout the book. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, for example, 
there's one character who works in a in a car factory and and i i, I for, for a month i did you know i had to work in in a car factory when i was working for a japanese um car manufacturer you have to i was doing an office job but you have to it's um yeah i think they call it gem gemba kinkyu um but you have to go to the the factory and you have to like work as a factory worker so that you understand what it feels like so i did that for one month building cars yeah and i, I kind of drew on that experience for that character so yeah definitely i mean i'd say that's probably probably going to be true for all writers that there are there are elements of fact and there are elements that you mix up with fiction um yeah wow that's so interesting um one of the things I, I just pulled out one of the sentences that I really liked uh, talking about the cat and the characters uh, thinking about envying the cat and the character says this cat has no master and I envied it for that and I think that's one of the recurring themes of, of many of the stories in the book about wanting to escape the constraints of culture and mm. how mm. you you felt that quite strongly in a lot of your experiences in japan is that right yeah i mean in, in a way i suppose i was the cat um i i was the person wandering into the people who were living in tokyo and, and you know into their lives and when you know when i worked for the japanese company i worked for in, in tokyo if, if ever I saw something where someone was trapped or, or isolated, I felt especially sad for them. I, I felt doubly sad for people who were going through things in Japan because I felt like they had no escape. You know, that duty or, you know, the things that were expected of them by their family, by their friends, by their, their colleagues, um, they couldn't get out of those things. Whereas, whereas I could ultimately, you know, ultimately, I was always playing a game. I was always trying to fit in, but obviously, I didn't fit in. Obviously, I wasn't Japanese, and I think, in a, in a strange way, I, I think the cat in the book is is also me wandering around, seeing things, not really interacting, but definitely like taking things in. Um, yeah, because uh, yeah, I mean, so many times I've seen instances where Japanese people have to do things. That, that foreigners don't, you know, because the, you know, Guy Kokujin are always considered like outside of things. So if they make mistakes or if they do, you know, this or that, then they're always sort of automatically forgiven. Whereas the Japanese people, if they did that, they wouldn't be forgiven that, you know. So I, yeah, I think that, that that's probably the dynamic going on there. Um, you know, I could always escape. I could always come back to Britain. Um, but my Japanese friends couldn't, and and when they told me their stories, or when when they opened up to me, when they when you know when we'd had a few drinks or whatever, um, that was what really resonated with me was that they were telling me because I I was the only person who they could tell. Yeah, it's really powerful, and it's it's something that I I'm very interested to see once your book is translated into Japanese how how it's received right because i i think a lot of japanese people would agree with you and 
Um, I've met a lot of Japanese people who have lived abroad and tried to come back and just could not fit back in, had、yeah. to leave again.、Um, it's not for everybody. And, and people do feel constrained by culture and society、mm. norms,、um, which makes Japan such a wonderful place, but quite often lonely for people who、yeah. don't feel like they quite fit in that way.、Mm. Yeah.、Um, yeah. You, you've had your book translated into a bunch of languages, right? Yeah, yeah. So far, it's, it's out in three, and I think there are. I think 10 total at the moment.、Um, yeah. Have you been thinking about it, translating it into Japanese?、Um, it's, it's kind of complicated because,、uh, because I, I, I don't have anything to do with the translation. So、um, my, my, my foreign rights agent will sell it to foreign territories, but it's kind of dependent on. They submit it to the publishers and, and the publishers you know, make an offer.、Um, so, in terms of translating it myself, that's something I would never do because I don't think I could get the register right. It would just sound like a really boring business email, I think, if I translated it. You know,、um, so, I'd, I'd want, I'd want a, a, you know, a, a Japanese、uh, person to translate it, someone who could you know, try and replicate the, the voices and the styles. Um, yeah, I really, I really hope it will be translated into Japanese. At, at the moment, I'm not sure whether it will. It, it looks like it will come out in Chinese before.、Um, so it, it is being translated, I think, into Chinese right now.、Um, so at least, at least it, will, it will be translated into Chinese characters, into kanji. But I, I, I do hope that, yeah, that it, it's translated into Japanese. Yeah,、um, I, I really hope they're able to find the right person because, like you said, you need somebody who can understand their own culture from、mm. an outside perspective, right? So it, it really has to be, and I think there definitely are translators、mm. who can do that so well.、Um, but yeah, if you need recommendations, I know a few. <laughs> Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd、I'll、be put fantastic. Them, put them forward.、Um, one of the other things, let's talk about your editor a little bit because you talked about working so well with your editor back and forth. And for example, some of the stories in the book are resolved, complete, and some are unresolved. And these,、mm-hmm. these are discussions that you had with your editor. It sounds like a great relationship. Yeah, she's, she's really. She's brilliant.、Um, yeah, it,、uh, it, it was actually her first book as well.、Um, and so it was, it was my first book and, and hers. So I think that that's, that's probably why we, why we had such a good time. And、um, yeah, I mean, she's, she's just a really great reader.、Um, and I think so originally, the book, I'd, I'd say it didn't change that much.、Um, Through the editing process, but all of the changes were for the better. But I'd say the biggest change was that the final chapter was still called Opening Ceremony before, but it was a kind of roving story that it, it happened on, on the day of the opening ceremony of the Olympics and it flitted around and it resolved all of the characters' stories. So,、um, and it was, you know, so that was how it, did, how it ended before. And my editor said 
she said it's it's fine like it's good if you if that's how you want to do it but i think that we could do it a bit differently i think we could do it a bit better and so she said why don't you focus in on this on the central relationship between the brothers uh, i won't say more than that because i don't want to spoil it um and although that was resolved in in the old version of the final chapter it wasn't resolved in detail so basically instead of trying to to resolve all the stories and flitting like this it was more like we zoomed the lens in on just the brothers and and, and some of the stories were also kind of resolved in in that still in the new version of the, of the ending but it was a quieter and it was a more focused ending and um i know that some readers are probably wondering you know what happened to this character what happened to that character but i think I think you can you can kind of guess what happens to all the characters. I think that's my 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 hope is, and I, and I think that the ending that my editor um, channeled me into, I think is is a was a better way to finish the book. So yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really pleased that I got to work with someone like her for, with this book. Yeah. And I know um, David Mitchell wrote a glowing review of your book, and he's originally from Hiroshima. Actually, I, I've had him over for dinner at my house oh, many, wow. many years so cool. ago. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that, that he often said about being in Japan is that it was a really easy place to write. It was easy to kind of tune out and you can see things that maybe you can't see if you grew up there. And then he's not living in Japan either now. Um, but you're still also very influenced by Japan and still writing about your Japanese experience and your, your love of Japanese literature. Do you think that'll continue even though you're not in Japan anymore? I think it, I think it will. Um, for maybe for for one more book, I'm thinking I've got an idea. That I, I won't talk too much about this idea, but um, yeah, I've got an idea for one more book set in in Japan. But I'm thinking that I I would like to I would like to look at other things for say third book, fourth book. Um, yeah, but the, I know for sure that Japan, you know, will always be in my heart. Like you know that that's for sure for the rest of my life. Um, so and and you know I'm I'm a I'm an absolutely massive David Mitchell fan. So I I have to say that when 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 he 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 wrote the blurb, I, I was just on yeah I it, it, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't process it because I'm such a huge fan of of his his writing. Um, but one of the things that I noticed with David Mitchell is that his first two books uh, have something to do with Japan. His third doesn't, but then he did eventually come back and write. Um, the Jacob de Zoot novel set in, in Nagasaki. So I think he probably, I mean, I, don't, I, I can't assume what, what he thinks, but um, he probably also at a certain point wanted to do other things and then, but then found that Japan called him back. So I, I, I would never say that I, I wouldn't write about Japan again, because I'm, I'm sure that they'll, they'll be, it, it will always be part of me, you know, it, it, it's such a huge part of my life. Yeah, yeah. That's great. It's great to hear that it can have a lasting impression on your creative output. 
Um, I've noticed you've started doing, or maybe you just did it once, the short stories. So the Street Fighter short story. Are you are you releasing other parts of the book in that way? Um, I don't know that we will now. Um, yeah, I I never planned to release any of it um, as short stories. So I think the the one in the Barcelona Review, I think they. They contacted my publisher and asked, um, you know, would, would would it be all right? And 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 so so you know, we said yes. Um, but I, I I know a lot of my friends who I did uh, the creative writing MA with. That a lot of them were writing short stories and were submitting them to magazines and getting them published. And people asked me, you know, why aren't you doing that with your short stories? But I think it was because I always saw it as a book, a, as a novel. Um, and I wanted all my short stories, or the, I wanted them all to be together. Um, so I don't, I don't really, you know, I like writing short stories. So I'm, I might write a few, I might, I might write some in the future. But um, I, I don't think my plan was ever to publish short stories. Yeah, yeah. So I have a a big question, and maybe you don't want to answer it. But do you have a favorite character in the book? Um, There's so yeah, many no, I, interesting characters. So, yeah, I I do. Um, I'd say my favourites are um, Nao and Ken from Hikikomori, that story, um, and also Flo. I don't know. I, I, I like Ohashi. I like Taro as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I like all of the characters. I mean, even even like there's there's one who's like absolutely insane and is a psychopath, and but there's something I don't know. I still kind of I still kind of feel something for him. Like he's he's like my he's like my child who who's gone off the rails or something. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Um, yeah, I I heard you say a good character wants something. A good character in a good plot shows change, but the character wants something or needs something. And uh, you definitely get that impression from your characters. And you, as a reader, you want to help them, right? And you you want them to succeed. And, and so I think you've done a great job in developing the characters that we care about them, you know? Oh, thanks. That's, that's really kind. Thank you. Uh, we only have a, a few minutes left. Uh, anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to touch on? Ooh. Um, yeah, how long were you in Oita? Uh, three years as a jet. Three the years. full three years, yeah. Wow. And and were you, whereabouts in Oita were you? In Oita City. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, let's let's go back to some of your PhD research for the last few minutes. You okay, talked yeah. about emojis. Can you mm -hmm. describe the cat emojis and the emoji concept? Yeah. Well, uh, it was just something that struck me when I was when I was writing up my PhD. I I noticed that all of if you go into any phone, the emojis are divided up in categories, and the, there's one that's humans, and then you can you can find a load of human. Uh, faces in there but there's lots of cats faces in the human section and with a wide variety of emotions but then if you click on animals 
then you'll in the animal section you'll find the the, the monkeys you know the hear no evil see no evil speak no evil um and i and i found that interesting that the cat is filed under the human category in in japanese in the japanese mindset because the emoji trays have been rolled out from japan um i think they they were integrated into the original apple iphone because when the iPhone came out, that was one of the criticisms that, that Japanese people had for it, that there were no emoji on it. And so they basically just copied the Japanese emoji tray so that the iPhone would, would find popularity in Japan. But I, I found it interesting the way that the, 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 the Japanese categorized the cat expressions under the human section and, and that they give so many different emotions to the cat. And I think in a way that kind of tied in with the the research that I was doing on the writers who were using cats as a reflection of human emotion or human um, human expression, um, I, I found that really, really strange and really interesting, quite a coincidence, and yeah. Oh, interesting. You also went to the Miyagi Cat Shrine. I didn't know yes. about that. That's in Tohoku, yeah. Miyagi, is it? Yes, yeah, it's so it's, I think it's part of uh, Ishinomaki, um, it's it's an island just so yeah you just take the, the ferry from from Ishinomaki um, and I also went to one down just near in Fukuoka prefecture I think it's called Ainoshima there's another, another cat island down there yeah so you went to cat island where they've taken over all the houses I haven't been there yet yeah yeah crazy. Um, yeah definitely worth a visit I, I don't know if, if you in Hiroshima there's the the Bonnie Islands yeah. or Kunoshima yeah. yeah I used to live not too far from there okay. but I remember going I went there like years and years ago like maybe 15 years ago and it was so quiet and there were no tourists but now I went I, I was back in Japan a couple of years ago visiting and I thought oh I might just stop by the Bonnie Islands but it was huge like so many people going there it's, it's, it's changed it's so obviously much. what you need you need to just if you want more tourists bring some bunnies um, yeah. but, <laughs> but we had a great talk with Fritz Schumann about who did a documentary about the poison gas history on yeah. Bunny Island it's a really dark history but to kind of erase the history they've added bunny tourism so yeah very interesting but the cat islands they haven't really done the tourism quite as much Mm. Yeah, there were a few articles here and there, but the, I think one of the things with the cat islands is that there, there are some people who are, are quite anti them, um, because a lot of the cats there are, uh, you know, not very well taken care of. Yeah. And well, um, same for the rabbits. A lot of people worry yeah. whether they're taken care of. Uh, let's leave with the Easter egg in your book. The you've doctored the picture of the taxi. Oh yeah. Can you tell everybody about that? I love that. Yeah. Um, so I suppose it's only Japanese people who read hiragana will, will spot it. But um, one of the photos that I wanted to use had a number plate in it. And, and so I, I worried about, you know, anonymity of that taxi driver. So, so I had to Photoshop the number plate. So I just Photoshopped a little message in there for people who read Japanese. So if, if you do pick up the book and you read Japanese, then just look out for the the number plate. Yeah, yeah. you'll. I think you'll get it if you if you know Japanese culture. 
Uh, yes. Even just the two, 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 you should yes. you should be able to get it. Well, thank you so much, Nick. That was a great discussion, and I'm really enjoying your book. And I I think it's a it's a great book for anybody who's interested in Japanese culture. And、um, I love your ideas about the cat history, which I didn't know about. So, thank you so much for joining today. No, thanks so much for having me, Joy. It was, it's a pleasure. That was wonderful. Thank you so much.、Uh, tomorrow morning, folks, if you're around 9 a.m., we are talking with John Stolenmeyer, who's a Japanese temple carpenter. And we talked to him previously in the series, and tomorrow he's going to give us an update on his own house that he's been doing some woodworking and remodeling. So that'll be nice to see what he's been up to.、Uh, Marion says, Love the number plate. What a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and Louise says, Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for joining、yeah. and take care. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. Have a good day,、Bye. everyone. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you want to learn more about the work that I do, have a look at inboundambassador.com. You can also sponsor the work that I'm doing on the YouTube channel, Patreon, buy me a coffee, coffee, or haps. Have a great day.